Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Imagine with podcast. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look. There comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation, the podcast that wasn't very familiar with Toynbee tiles, but was very familiar with KB Toys. This is Hysteria 51. Memories. Uh, in, literally in every mall across the land. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they were anywhere else other than malls, but that's the only place I ever fucking saw them. If I remember, they they had a tagline for a while. It's like the toy store in the mall. Like that was literally their tagline. <laughs> the toy store you can cry and your mom will take you to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or your mom might dump you off that right. for an hour while yeah. she goes and goes and looks at um, you know, negligees. Braziers, know. as they called yeah. them back then. <laughs> We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth. Alongside on this inquisitive investigation are the smooth stylings of Mr. Brent Hand. Thanks, John. Everything I do is smooth. I just want you to know that. Just period, full stop. Oh, did that 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 Rob Thomas and Santana song, uh, Smooth, was actually about you? That's that's true. Most of uh, Santana's back catalog, even before I was born, is in reference to the coming <laughs> it's of in Brent. reference to the to either the future <laughs> promise of or delivery of, of Mr. Brent exactly. Hand. Hey, uh, give me one second here. Hey, Seabot, get in here. We're going. Weird that you ring for me when you're the one who looks like Lurch. Anywho, what's cooking, Daddy-o? I swear to God, I'm going to take a ball-peen hammer to your dialogue drivers, but uh, that's beside the point. I'm yelling at you because I just found this very sharp fucking tennis ball in my seat before we started, and I, I hadn't yelled at you yet. I almost had a worse day than normal days when I fucking have to deal with you. <laughs> uh, why did you leave a fucking tennis ball with nails and shards of glass and shit sticking out of my chair? Ah, uh, that's where that went. Thanks, I'll take that. Ow. Careful, asshole. It's fucking sharp. Seabot, Seabot, I can I can see the uh, the object of Brent's frustration on the Zoom here. What the hell is it? Well, as you guys know, I'm an influencer, and while bot booze and bot juice are still vital to my brand, I've decided to expand to children. There's a lot of money in children. Not 
not that sure I like a lot where of ways. this is going. <laughs> yeah, this is not... I, I, the, not, in no way good, by the way, Brent. Mm. Um, have you checked his room recently? Uh, listen, uh, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that he did tie you up at one point for a few days, um, and you're bigger than a kid, so... I, well, I was just in there getting crossword help from Kyle. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I know how weird that sounds. Still strange. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's all good there. See, about what the hell do you mean you're expanding to children, Tara? I ask. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of wish you hadn't. Since you meet Saxy fit to not allow me to sell bot boost to kids, I needed another product. Introducing Uncle Conspiracy Bot's fun time toys and devices. That's UCBFTTAD for those that know. And if you don't know, now you know. Ugh. Okay. All right. Terrible acronyms aside, where does the pointy tennis ball fit in? It's my first prototype. It's Uncle Conspiracy Bot stick ball. It'll stick to anything. Well, almost anything, or anything soft. Well, really flesh is best. It sticks to flesh. But I digress. The obvious challenges of danger and lawsuits aside, which will be many, and well, he's used to that. He is used to that. Why this? Like, what's even fun about something like this? Remember how you almost sat on it? I do. That was fun for me. John, I'm going to disassemble Johnny (laughs) negative five over here. I mean, I really... Really, I am. I mean, he did answer your question. It's true. I can't, you know what? You know, you ask and you shall receive. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Just don't don't disassemble him just yet. Just put him in the corner or something. Let's get back to the show. All right. Well, I guess you get a temporary reprieve, bot. I've got your reprieve right here. What'd you say? Nothing. All right. <laughs> All right, Brent. Conspiracy bot shenanigans aside, the intro made me think back to my childhood, which was very similar to your childhood. We were enjoying childhood together, I suppose, and toy stores specifically. Yeah. Um, I personally split pretty equal time between KB Toys and Toys R Us. Um, uh, but no matter where you went, you always had those toys, those games, etc. that were that were super hard to find such big wins when you, when you were able to secure them such big losses when you, when you missed out. And so my question for you is what were some of your biggest wins as a kid, you know, calling around trying to find that one special thing. What were some of the biggest losses as well? I'd say my biggest win isn't something I was per se searching out myself. I wanted it really bad. And I was told, under no circumstances would I ever get it because it was too expensive was Castle Grayskull. And then I got it on my birthday. And I fucking played with that thing like crazy. Like, it was ridiculous. I By the way, by the way, uh, over here in the lower fourth at um, Hysteria 51's second studio, there is a Castle Grayskull, courtesy of um, one of our longtime listeners, Jeremy McFarlane. Yes. Yes, you have the toys, a lot of toys. You have as many toys in your studio as I have weird shit in mine. Now, mine has a hodgepodge mixture of toys. Sadly, uh, for my wife, most of my toys are on display in such places as my office and other parts of our regular house. <laughs> oh, well, she's a saint. I, my, I have two reasons to keep mine uh, in a more narrowed um, place. First, my wife doesn't love toys all over the place like yours does uh second and probably more importantly 
I say more importantly, so I can uh, fake, uh, you know, be, be fake macho. Uh, like I would tell my wife, no, but I wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, more importantly, my kid. Like yeah, you've got a, a toy store grabber, you know, or whatever yes. the hell you want to call yes. it. Like, yeah. Yeah, and if you if you if you were in our uh, our second studio, you would notice that all the toys are very high. You know, everyone knows I, I collect Green Lantern probably by now, and I have a Green Lantern collection room, and it looks like a toy store. Everything's unopened and yeah, on does. display. <laughs> like and like kids will go in there and be like, "Yes, cha ching, here we go. I'm opening everything," and I would cry like said child. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for this discussion once the, the pandemic ends and we're doing this more routinely with, with Lincoln. Uh, I, oh, I forgot to tell you my loss. I re- never forget. I wanted these things. They called them Womper Stompers or something like that. What they were were buckets with strings on them. And I thought, this is the greatest thing ever. I have to get them. And you put them on your feet. And I got them. And I played with them for like four and a half minutes. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever wanted in my life. And I never touched them again. I don't wait know why second. I wanted wait, wait, them so much. Wait, wait a second. So your biggest loss was actually something you got. Yeah, and it was I begged for it and I got it and it was stupid. I don't know if I ever the one I wanted that I never got was the USS flag from GI Joe, a seven and a half mm. foot long yeah. uh, you know aircraft carrier. My parents were not gonna do that. I knew one guy who had it. And you know, that was that was one of those things that we all wanted. Um uh and also one of those things that if you ever got You'd like, okay, what do I do with this? I mean, you'd be so excited about it, but like after you set it up, it'd be like, wow, this is taking up half the room. Okay. Oh, I told you wrong. I just looked at what they're called romper stompers. Vintage 70s romper stompers. It's a bucket with a string. <laughs> and right now you would never, like, you know how easy it is to fall oh, wow. over? I just pulled them up. Romper, wow, I've never romper seen stomper. That. Yeah. Like, uh, it was a broken ankle waiting to happen. Oh, my, my, my broken ankle waiting to happen was the uh, those pogo balls remember those so i had the off brand which was exactly the same but uh yeah i didn't have a pogo just not mine was like just... low low ball or something like that <laughs> <laughs> literally i'm not even joking so yeah that going for uh, me. it's it's funny when you google romper stomper it pulls up the the toy and then there's there's a random picture that um i don't know what i'm looking at it's titled romper stompers but it looks like the uh the boots that Biff wore in Back yeah. to the Future 2 well, in the future. The way I got Womper Stomper mixed up because Womper Stomper was actually a game for Atari. And it was oh. like you, you crushed ants or something like that. You were a foot. Just a, think of Thing was a foot. <laughs> you just go around <laughs> crushing like ants and stuff. So I digress. That was my issue. But yeah, I never got the USS flag. And, uh, you know, I'm probably okay without it. I wanted uh, the one. Okay, so this isn't part of my list, but while you mentioned the USS flag, I really wanted the. Um, this is kind of earlier on in my toy collecting. The I don't remember which toy what what it was called, but it was like a huge Transformers uh, a playset. I don't know if it was which like one Cybertron. did it turn into. Oh, a playset. Yeah, it was it like like the the like the. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sewer or the oh, USS flag yeah. or whatever. There was a playset of some type. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I just remember it was huge, or at least it seemed huge. To, we'd probably look it up now. It's like three feet. But <laughs> There was an um, Eternia playset, too, that I never even realized that there was like a playset, which had like a small versions of all the castles and stuff together I, that was even on my radar as a kid i didn't even know it I, I had i still didn't know that like to this to to right up until you said that i didn't know that existed yeah 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 there was the so i do remember and maybe this is what you're talking about 
Um, I do remember Metroplex was like a playset that turned into a giant robot. Oh God, I think you might be right. Let me let me let me Google Metroplex. It was like a playset, but then it, it like transformed into a giant uh, fucking a, robot, a, which was bigger than all the other like combiner robots. Metroplex, and then if you wanted the um the the I believe it was Scorponok or something like that was the uh, uh no maybe that wasn't it well the other one was like a giant Tyrannosaurus or something so I'm looking at Metroplex maybe this was it that um it looks a little small to me to what I like at least my memory of it um uh, although it looks badass I kind of want it now um but it was something like that that was like a playset but then also certainly turned into something because mm-hmm. that's what you do with Transformers. Anyway, uh, that aside, my my actual answers uh, I have two are twofold. Trypticon, um, Trypticon, that was the bad one. Sorry, it just dawned on me. I couldn't even find it. But Trypticon, yeah, Trypticon was a giant uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex that was like the size of Metroplex. Oh, like giant, 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 like bigger than the combiners and stuff like that. Sorry, oh, it was a Decepticon. Okay, yeah, okay, all right, all right. Well, I'm gonna have to do some more research to figure out what the hell I was talking about. Oh, no. But uh, now you got homework that, this week. <laughs> It's kind of homework I, I like enjoy. Although my wife always gets nervous when she you're four hundred dollars later. Sees- yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Why are you on eBay? Uh, no reason. Yep, yep. no reason. Uh, so my answers. Yeah, two uh, two huge wins. Uh, the number one win that sticks out in my mind: Super Mario Brothers three. Oh yeah, it came out. It was impossible to find. Um, you'd call every toy store, every Babbage's, every, you know, uh, 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 electronic store, Best Buy, whatever. Well, I remember you're in that big competition and you thought, and they pulled it out on you at the end and you lost that good. can't even talk right. So you had to have it after that. <laughs> have you seen the power glove? <laughs> it's, it's so bad. bad. <laughs> uh, that guy grew up to be a child predator, a sex offender, one or the other. Yeah. So that's fun. The real guy in real life. Yeah. Where are they now? Anyway, um, so Super Mario Brothers 3 was very hard to find when it came out. It was, the, you know, it was the talk of the town. Everyone was looking forward to it. It had been it had been hyped in The Wizard. You know, if you remember, The Wizard came out well before the game did. So it was uh, it was very exciting to see in The Wizard and and, you know, got got kids like us, uh, you know, all in a lather waiting for it. And I'll never forget uh, I didn't even call ahead. I used to, I, I can't, can you imagine working at toy stores in the late eighties or early nineties and having like fielding 300 calls a day he from nine year olds? Do you have yeah. yo noid? Of course we got yo noid kid. Like, why are you calling? Hey, mister. <laughs> hey, mister. I really want Bayou Billy. Do you have Bayou Billy? <laughs> I had Bayou Billy. It was one of the only games that used like the gun and the controller. I enjoyed yeah, it. And then yeah. it was like on a terrible games list recently. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And you drive. It had everything, and swamp ass. <laughs> and swamp ass. The reason it came to mind was it was one of those that I would call incessantly to the rental shops and ask if they had because I wanted to rent Bayou Billy because oh. it had been featured in my Nintendo Power. Um, but I digress. <laughs> anyway, I uh, got my dad, ma, I don't know who, uh, to take me up to Toys R Us the day it, the day it came out. And I ran over to, uh, there was nothing better than Toys R Us electronics section or their, their game section where it was just a wall yeah, the of wall games that games. you could purchase. Yeah. And, and you just took the little slip uh, up to the cage and bought it, you know. And everything was like, and, I, what happened to all that, like, Nintendo fanfare? They had all over the walls and Sega and Atari. It yeah. was all, like, branded and stuff. It was cool. They were oh, all like, yeah, separated by, by you know, 
game system and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one kid still buying ColecoVision. You're an idiot, Tommy. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and tell my parents will give for me. Atari 800 um, XL, what? What? Atari. I haven't even heard of that Atari. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, there was one slip left. Now, I had been tricked before. When you get down to one or two slips, there's a possibility that that's not actually represent, representative of yeah. the inventory they have available. So I was... I was a cautiously skeptical nine-year-old or whatever I was at the time, and I took it up, and I literally got their last copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 the day it came out. Wow. Wow. And I was pumped. Um, so that was my biggest win. My second biggest win, I was a big, like, uh, of all the of all the toys, uh, my two that I, like, bought the most of were, were Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles announced that they were coming out with like a second series. Like they had all the originals yeah. and then they came out with some of the characters like Casey Jones, April O'Neil, Bebop, Rocksteady. But then they came out with like uh period, like they're, you know, the turtles in space yeah. and the, the turtles in like samurai and, and baseball and, uniforms. Yeah. Right. And, uh, when the space turtle proctologist came out, and, yeah. And, and turtle news anchor and, and t- <laughs> turtle evil dictator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, turtle trash man yeah, that's I mean, literally the next one i was gonna say that's so funny literally turtle, turtle domestic dispute worker i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so the in my mind i'm sure you could probably get online and figure out that i'm wrong about this but in my mind the first kind of second release of of turtle figures was the space the spacesuit ones and I wanted them so bad. It just makes sense and, that turtles uh, would go to space if they live in the sewers and fight crime. So that's the logical progression for a nine-year-old A plus nine. B equals C, Brent. Yes. A plus B equals C. So anyway, I was able to uh, I was able to secure them. Uh, I showed up, and they, they had all four turtles, you know, Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. Um, so that th- th- was my wins. Names. But I got to be honest with you. The wins, I the wins are nice, but I, the the loss sticks out much more to me. My loss was uh, something I got but never got, uh, and let me explain. There was a a very short lived uh, home video game console in like the late eighties called the Action Max. Uh, that's a VCR accessory, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you it's, very much. It's true. It's true. So it's a console, but you use VHS tapes through your VCR and it's essentially a light gun. Game, Let me give you, you an know? example of the heavy, heavy, heavy promotion they got. It was featured in the blockbuster movie Leonard part six with Bill Cosby. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> it really was the, the gypsy woman's children were playing it and it looked really cool. They're like shooting at like planes. I'm like, that looks really awesome. I know. I, I, I was all about it. And uh, uh, showed up at, at at KB Toys one day. I I do remember it was KB Toys, and they had one, and I bought it, and I got my dad to buy it for me, and was so excited. Got it home, and the thing came with I I I don't know whose idea this was, but the thing came with batteries. Yeah, it didn't already play, in. Yeah, yeah. Don't they leak or something? Did it fuck? And up? And the thing was completely corroded like the uh, maybe no shit they came out in like 87 and this is probably 89 let's say and it was probably sitting on the shelf for two years like i i just because i was excited about it doesn't mean that the that the rest of the world was you know yeah. i just learned about this thing so uh it was completely corroded i'm like fuck so i i actually it was more like fuck uh anyway i went back uh-huh. and they had another one and they exchanged it 
and this one was corroded. This happened three times, Brent, Whoa. and I could not get a functioning Action Max. So I never actually even played the Action Max, even though I owned three of them. Wow. Yeah, so that was my fail. Were they and that were was the batteries able, able to be removed? They just had to have them in there, and so it sucked. Like, who puts them in? So, Why wouldn't they have um, put them in plastic like everyone else does? So I have – like this is the kind of thing that I should do an entire podcast series on. I have two suspicions. I, I I did a little cursory searching online and couldn't find any mention of them including the batteries on the inside. And so because I wasn't on the uh, – uh, because I wasn't on the razor's edge of of uh, buying Action Maxes, I was, it was a year or two behind, um, my, I have two, two guesses. My first guess is what I already said and they just – it was a, just a fail in packaging and they put the batteries in the console, not thinking about the fact that, you know, you keep those connections tight and, you know, it's eventually going to corrode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's option one. Option two is because every time I went back, they only had one. Yeah. It makes me wonder if like this was like the they were filtering through the country all of the returns. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and if they'd have been returned, people had already put the batteries in it and and, you know. These were sitting in a in a warehouse somewhere, and they're like, oh, maybe kids will still buy these. You ship them out to Springfield, mm-hmm. um, which is where you and I grew up. And and the so I don't know which one is true, um, but I could see doing a ten part uh, mini series on uh, on discovering the truth, talking to the the inventor of the Action Max, perhaps the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the CMO of KB Toys at the time. Uh, I don't know. I just went to I video game know. console library, uh, Worlds of Wonder, which I loved that name back in the day. They made it, and it says down at the end, and just come in and says the system is only recommended for collectors. There is no value at all. <laughs> for gamers of any level, the unit is light. The box is huge. Um, it's cheap. You shouldn't pay any more than fifty dollars for a working system, and the only five titles should you shouldn't pay any more than ten dollars a piece. <laughs> I had something similar, very different, but it's the same kind of thing. I had some Captain Power toys, the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, oh, like you cool. would shoot with the gun. The gun was a, a ship, and if you got shot, it would eject your guy, and so it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Those were very cool. Uh, it was like I, the I, same I, concept, but done better. Done done much better, and also much smarter marketing play because you didn't have to have everything. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You had to have the basics, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, those were my wins and losses. Uh, if you uh, hop on Hysteria Nation, give us yours from when your childhood. Yeah. What were you... Uh, what were you what were you pining for that you got? What were you pining for that never materialized? I was what pining for a lot of shit. I got an ass beating. That's pretty much what I usually got. But that's just me. And romper stompers. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Uh toy of a different story is this week's <laughs> in name only. Uh that was the of, most fun we're gonna have yeah, on this episode. Yeah, not exactly. We're about to go down a different hole. one i was excited about yeah well i was yeah here we go with toy and b tiles we go down these roads of picky topics that listeners send in and some of them are real on the nose and some of them are obscure and that's what's fun and this one is one that i was real aware of uh but i wasn't an expert on of course i'm not an expert on anything and I got to tell you, John, I did a deep dive on this. I've been reading about it for a while. Yeah, this you fell been, down the rabbit hole. I got to tell you, I don't even know if we're going to do this justice because there's so many weird. A lot of people have theories on this. Now, there's the prevailing one. That's what we're going to tell you. But it's a weird one. These are interesting and also a little creepy, scary and sad, too, in and of itself. And if we get like talk about who is possibly doing it. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's um, these always when I start reading about them, um, stories like this always captivate me. Right. Um, that me too. The, yeah. The 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 OG story um, that I think of in the same vein when I think about uh, kind of real life mystery put on by some secret person or group. I think of C- Cicada three, three Oh one, which obviously this isn't that what we're about to talk about. It's not internet based. So there, that's right. where the similarities stop. But I think like augmented reality games or, or, or like, you know, just, just weird shit that could be like some secret group trying to qualify a certain, you know, figure out the mystery mm-hmm. There's a puzzle. There's a key, um, so whenever, whenever there, there are shades of that, I get really interested. And then, then the question is, does it, does it pay off? Right. And, um, and to spoiler alert, as you, as you like to say, I'm not sure that we get to the bottom of that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some very, 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 um, good guesses, you know, and, and sure. things like that. But, uh, I should say this: a lot of the information that we come from comes from people that really like Justin Durr, a guy who did the. Uh, there's a documentary on the Toynbee Tiles. Uh, a lot of it comes from him and the people around him because he's kind of the guy. He's like the archivist of the Toy and B tiles. And uh, well, let's just get into it. Let's tell everyone what the hell yeah, they are because yeah. you're probably thinking, "What are we talking about?" Uh, yeah. Guys, shut up and tell me what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Dateline 1980s. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a picture, John. Paint away. Jumpsuits are in fashion. Mm-hmm. Stonewashed jeans as far as the eye can see. Mm. Robots. This is probably the most appropriate time he's ever used that drop. Yeah, for once it actually fits. <laughs> um, hey, uh, at least, at least from a timing perspective. Yeah. Now back to the nostalgia. BMX bikes and skateboards rule the streets. Uh, boom boxes are attached to shoulders the way they I should had- be. I had a Dino Detour. Ooh. That was my BMX bike. Um, I had a GT Pegs. Um, I think it was a GT Seat. I wore uh, I wore Airwalks. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, no. I did not wear Airwalks. What am I talking about? I wore Vision Streetwear. Oh, oh um, look at you. Okay. All right. But go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, that's. I always remember young John Goforth never going anywhere without his cardboard and mat, just in case an impromptu dance battle took place. That's what yeah. I always. Unless then I he got a little uppity on us for a while, and he had that big slab of linoleum that you you took around everywhere. <laughs> it was it was heavy on my uh, <laughs> on my dyno, but uh, I made it. Right. More importantly, though, than dance battles with a young uh, MC Gofo. A new phenomenon started creeping up in the United States, mainly up in the you know the the east part of of the country. It's where it kind of started out, and then it kind of spread through the rest of the states and through South America. Tubular, radical, awesome, Reaganomics. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. No uh, messages of, and you gotta love this, unknown origins. Start to be found embedded in the asphalt on on streets all over the place, and this is the really important thing: is it really is embedded. Like someone did a good job. These aren't like a someone took a stencil and spray painted. They did some work to get these on on the streets, and they're in the middle yeah, of that's... roadways and right in front of the Holland Tunnel and and right in the middle of Times Square and crazy shit like that. And we'll get to how they make them in a, in in a few. But I have to admit, not being a, uh, I am not, I don't work with my hands for a living. Uh, I mean, I can, I can fix a toilet. Uh, I can, I can, you know, cut a two by four, but I don't, uh, I, I don't have a job that, 
uh, that requires me to to delve into putting things together and taking them apart. And mm-hmm. and so as someone who doesn't like kind of have that background, I looked at these things and thought, how in the hell did they do that? Now mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty simple uh, once you once someone explains right. it to you. But right. like I'm like oh man, that's in the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And and not only is it in the street, they last a very long time. You know, yeah, and, and yeah. it's kind of like I was alluding to there. It's not just one place. We're talking like two dozen major cities in the u.s at least and four south american cities probably more and the other thing is is you're going to find out these things get put in the street and people just walk over them and they don't really pay a lot of attention and you you don't you miss them and so that a lot of them are probably just paved over or 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 missed uh but what we're getting it's not a one there's nothing remarkable about them no uh, about them you yeah other than the crazy Well, the great, but like if you saw one, you would assume it was from a street fair or something that had yeah. happened the week before, and you know, whatever. Yep. I don't know what that is. I'm so moving on. These these signs are putting down the, these tiles, the Twain B tiles. They're about the size of an American license plate, not one of those like long ass European jobs. We're talking like Thank twelve by six inches or thirteen by fifteen centimeters if you're playing along at home. And they for those folks with uh, the European license plates, the the uh, pond hoppers, they all seem to have. The thing, well, the thing in common, the, the tie that binds is this cryptic inscription. Uh, they all seem to carry a variation of the following. Toy and B idea in movie 2001, resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. I warned those Jupiter assholes about coming back here. What? Never mind. I don't even think he... <laughs> Anyway, Very yeah, nice. real salt of the earth normal shit. <laughs> you know, yeah, anything oh, really that screams normal. Kubrick just means... Oh yeah, I'm along for this ride. Makes sense. <laughs> and they don't stop there though. They go on to mention more things like like cryptic political statements, calls for action, calls for violence, uh to create uh calls for people to create and install tiles on their own. And we're going to break down some of the others that that you things that are said, but they're out there. There were a few that actually provided directions on how to do it on right, your own and right yeah that's how it kind of uh, um uh, let us know what they were created from which was primary layers of linoleum like you mm-hmm. said and uh asphalt crack filling compound yeah and it's interesting because they started in the 80s and they didn't really start becoming part of the cultural zeitgeist until the until the 90s right but when they did they kind of grabbed hold of these subcultures, you know, and the internet became a thing and people started talking about them and sharing photos and pictures. And it would take you a day and a half just to download one of the photos. You had to be really into it if you're going to be looking at it. And you <laughs> either true. have that or Cindy Crawford and you had to make a choice. So we're talking dedicated motherfuckers here. And well, I wasted my childhood because I went Cindy Crawford. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it reminds me when you see these. The stuff you see at like dig sites when they're like here at Pompeii, we were digging through and we found the floor of some, you know, it looks like one of those ornate floors where they kind of like scrape mm-hmm. away and, and they're like, well, here's, oh, like a like a mosaic type floor. Here's what the earth here in America looked like more than 30 years ago. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Well, Brent, you mentioned that uh, you mentioned that. We didn't really hear about them until the 90s, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the first article that you found in your research came from the Baltimore Sun in 1994. Yeah, that was the first time that officially it seems to be the the consensus that, that is the first like article article where that this is happening and we're trying to figure it out. 
Right. So right. what's it say, John? Uh, the article starts, do the words Toynbee ideas in Kubrick's 2001 Resurrect Dead on planet Jupiter mean anything to you? They're right under your feet. The cryptic words are on at least seven street markers on Calvert and other roads in downtown Baltimore. These aren't manhole covers or spray-painted graffiti. These are shoebox-sized markers with black engraved letters. They're permanent. No one knows how or when the street markers got there or exactly what the words mean. Their existence stumped folks at the Maryland Institute, uh, College of Art, the Baltimore Film Forum, and the city's public works department. Even Baltimore filmmaker John Waters has never heard of these markers. If John Waters is stumped, you got something. You're on to something. It's true. It's true. He's standing next to a a transvestite eating shit, and he's like, that's weird, man. I don't know what that's about. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally in one of his movies. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Transvestite eating a turd. Dog turd. You're welcome. (laughs) That's highbrow filmmaking right there. That is John Waters. What Um, does Toyin B mean, though? That's kind of the big thing, because that's their name. And that's also kind of up for debate. But there's there's a late British historian named Arnold Joseph Toynbee, and AJ he was re- sure. renowned. Yeah, he was renowned as a study of history. When they say a study of history, he studied everything. Like he was a jack of all trades about history, and he really was very astute. And he did like this spanning twenty years. He made this ten volume work that was his attempt to explain what makes civilizations rise and fall on a global scale. And he said, psychic factors are the decisive forces of history, which is not predetermined. He was also a religious historian. And one of his like takes on the world was that religious afterlife might exist, but it's not guaranteed that mankind needed to create its own heaven. And that's uh, a thing that the, we are going to see in some of the tiles, especially. So there'll be tiles and there's little side pieces off of the tiles. And one of the things they talk about a lot is like creating their own hell and things like that. And we'll get into all that. But it definitely seems to click with his way of thinking. This this heady, we're the masters and we can. Masters is the wrong thing to say. But, you know, uh, we're in command. We control or our others are, are, are shaping our destiny for us. Sure. So we got that going for us. You know, we're making our own heaven and hell. Like That's a resume builder. <laughs> it mystic is, it's shit. true. It's mystic shit. You just say that. He, But he was mystic shit grounded in all the history of mankind. So maybe he was smarter than us. I don't know. It's, I mean, chances well, are. Cra- there, There is a thin line between uh, insane and, and genius, right? Insanity mm, and genius. The type of cr- thing that the, the insane embrace and the or the... Yeah, and the genius lament or something like that. There's a line from something. Yeah, there's a lot of sayings. Like, there's, there's another one that the difference between, like, insanity and genius is, like, uh, having a good PR person or something like that. <laughs> that, that anyway. That I, yeah. Now, there are other people they, they throw the, the blame on for this whole stuff. Yeah, so Ray Bradbury wrote a short, short story that originally actually appeared in Playboy in the, uh, in the 80s titled The Toynbee Convector. And and here's the basic premise. There's a dude who's being interviewed by a, a writer for a newspaper, and he says he's a time traveler. As you do. He's 130 years, years old, and when he was, you know, 100 years ago, he traveled to the future in this time machine that he that he created, and he found— Out of a DeLorean? Had, I'm sorry, I, Doc. 
<laughs> he found that the world had turned into a utopia of sorts. They'd fixed the climate and everything was, you know, uh, dogs and cats living together, perfect harmony. I love Fruitopia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, uh, that's not quite what we're talking about. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> and so he, he, um, he's, he's basically saying, I saw it, but now we have to do our part and kind of angle towards that. So for the next time, a bunch of people kind of, at first they kind of make fun of him and they're like, oh, we really can't prove he's wrong. So a bunch of people start a bunch of projects and uh, voila, a hundred years later, we have Utopia. Anyway, towards the end of the story, um, he basically says, hey, guess what? I am full of shit. I never made a time traveling machine. I just knew that we needed to give everybody a goal. Otherwise, we were going to fall off into the abyss. Which is and, a hell of a uh, way to do it. Yeah, uh, we can live in utopia if you do these things. Fine, we'll do these things. <laughs> you yeah. don't say. So, you know, it, in a way, the story actually ties to the ideas that A.J. Toynbee had, you know, creating your own destiny. So uh, uh, a lot of people make the um, kind of make this an argument of, are these tiles in reference to Arnold Toynbee or are they in reference to the Ray Bradbury story, the Toynbee convector? And you might argue that the, the two could be tied. Um, I was going to say, why not both? You know, similar sentiments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then on top of that, we have the weird ass 2001, a space odyssey references. Um, There's this cat, Mark Crispin Miller, no relation to Kevin. Uh, he's a Stanley Cooper guy. Are you sure? I think so. Are you sure? <laughs> okay. He was a media studies teacher at Hopkins. He says in 2001, uh, he inspired a lot of art. That movie is heady. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, go watch it. Uh, no, do yourself a favor and get stoned and <laughs> yeah. then go watch it. Yeah. Uh, Toynbee seems to imply some regeneration through religious means, and one could derive some comfort from the ending of 2001, which can be read as suggesting a phase after the human phase. Um, Every, you know, remember how 9,000 and he goes to that weird color, like he's being birthed and reborn at well, the that's end. The, like, like I was about to say, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, shut this off now. Uh, but if you haven't seen the movie, it's been like 40 years. Um, the, <laughs> I think it's longer the, than that, isn't it? Like 50 years, something like that. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, what basically he, he, he travels off into space and at the very end he becomes a fetus again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for lack of a better way of describing it, that's what happens. So it's rebirth. Yeah, we got weird converging with weird. You've got Ray Bradbury slash the other Arnold Toynbee whole, you can make heaven and hell in your mind, meaning 2001, a space odyssey, and then some other crazy shit that we're going to get to. First, though, it's break time. Now, when we come back, what do people think they mean? Who could be doing it? And why did my dad watch Hee Haw? If we have time, we're going to get into that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's all after the break on Hysteria 51. That might be the biggest mystery that we've talked about. <laughs> Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor. And we use it, Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it 
it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. John, what the hell they mean? Tell me right now. Right I, now, you, tell me. You're, tell me. You're asking. You're you're tell asking me. why did he watch Hee Haw? Right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For all the ladies in the cornfield. No. Yeah. What do they mean? What do these tiles mean? Well, um, I don't know, but there's a documentary that starts to try to <laughs> unpack it. Yeah, it's talking about going down the rabbit hole. It's called Resurrect Dead: The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. From 2011, it's definitely worth watching. We we referenced it earlier that Justin guy, he spent his whole life and a lot of money just going around the world, photographing these and trying to figure out what was going on. And it's 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 crazy. So Justin Dury, and he's a researcher. He's the guy that kind of focuses on this, or that that the the outside of just the tiles, the whole documentary focuses on. Right. He think it refers to the British historian Arnold J. Toynbee. Uh, that we actually mentioned before. No revelation here. Obviously, he believes that Kubrick's 2001 is, is a reference to the to the movie that we talked about. But others have some different ideas. It could be Arnold Toynbee. It could be um, uh, uh, the Ray Bradbury story. It could be something else. Signs seem to point to there at least being some tie to Arnold Toynbee, and we'll get mm-hmm. into a little bit more of that. Uh, speaking of 
uh, uh, well, there's some evidence or some some letters. Yeah. Uh, researchers allegedly uncovered letters written by the creator of the tiles in uh, Philly, in, in Philadelphia in 2006. Yeah. They, yeah, they say that, that, that Twain B's ideas stem from a passage in his book Experiences. Brent, why don't you read it for us? Yeah, here's the passage. Human nature presents human minds with a puzzle which they have not yet solved and may never succeed in solving, for all that we can tell. The dichotomy of a human being into soul and body is not a datum of experience. No one has ever been or ever met a living human soul without a body. Someone who accepts, as I myself do, taking it on trust, the present-day scientific account of the universe may find it impossible to believe that a living creature, once dead, can come to life again. But if he did entertain this belief, he would be thinking more scientifically if he thought in the Christian terms of a psychosomatic resurrection than if he thought in the shamanistic terms of a disembodied spirit. Clear as mud, right? That makes sense. Seriously, I read that thing four times, and I'm still not exactly sure what the man's saying. I think it really goes back into that whole creating your own heaven and hell. We haven't met him, so we don't know, but this is probably what's going on. That's the way I think about it, so there you go. It's one of those things where someone just put a bunch of hodgepodge together and and, and people chant to it now, probably in dirty clothes. You know how it goes. Woo-woos. So, speaking of clear, let's muddy it up even further. <laughs> More possibilities, right? Yeah. We More. Gotta- <laughs> well, we all know uh, the author Arthur C. Clarke, right? Yep, yep. He yep. wrote a short story called The Jupiter Five. Uh, it involves a spaceship named the Arnold Toynbee on a mission to Jupiter. <laughs> it, uh, it contains elements in common with 2001 a Space Odyssey. So, you know, I where that fits in, I don't know, but it's a thing. It's also a thing. <laughs> it's another yeah. clue. It's another, um, um, I don't know, piece of the puzzle. Uh, anyway. Well, even in the documentary, they cite a 1983 article of the Philadelphia Inquirer, which mentions a a local man at the time who was contacting all the local talk shows and newspapers to spread the message about bringing the dead to life on Jupiter, as depicted in the film 2001. So there's a little bit of a big old quinky dink, and this could all just be mad ramblings of an insane person that caught the attention of a specific crowd who then went out and did these. That's the magic of art, kind of, you know, it's all up to interpretation. But then we're talking about how these crazy, oh, it, it's kind of like cheeky little fun, like resurrect the dead and all this stuff. There are other tiles, and I, I'm giving air quotes when I'm saying the other tiles. They'll have the big tile, then there is smaller tiles, and then there's a giant manifesto tile. They're all they're all done by the same stuff, and they say some crazy shit this is where the shit goes off the rails or at least most off than you know more off than it already was um so these smaller editions <laughs> which is saying a lot but it does these smaller editions are what really made me go like Ugh, like when i was going into this i'm going to read you some of them there are a lot it, we could fill an hour of reading through so i i put down some and there's gonna some of them you can't read because they've degraded over time or they were you know it didn't they, when they were transferred take, the whole thing yeah. was kind of like driven over before it set right. and shit like that yeah. uh so number one please make plus glue tiles as the american media is working with the soviet union and it's thousands of fronts in usa two, and then tu and the the rest is gone second one 
Under Freedom of Information Act, NBC journalists funneled FBI information on me to Soviet, and then it's it's degraded. And then, not to be outdone, now the cult of the Hellion are now searching for more than one hell, in parentheses, ideologies, to get more reward. Now, that seems like it's kind of fluctuating in that heaven and hell, creating your own afterlife stuff. Next one. And if this idea survives, after all, make the Hellions pay for what they've done. I'm begging you. Another one. (laughs) I must work harder to punish them for it all. The next one, it's really to the point. Murder every journalist, I beg you. <laughs> and uh, one more short one before I get to the, the creme de la creme. I'm just glad I didn't say murder every podcaster. Right. So the next one, it's I'm only one man, and when I caught a fatal disease, they gloated over its death. Now, you're getting a little bit of information there. Only one man. It's, you know, they're saying he's a man. It's only one person doing it. That kind of was what people were thinking. You know, when reading, when reading, we'll get to the manifesto tile, when reading the smaller ones or the manifesto tile, it reminded me of when I first moved to Chicago. I'll explain why. Um, I first moved to Chicago and I think it was my first weekend in town. I was downtown. Um, I was wandering around um, and just, just enjoying the sight, sound smells that you get to, you, you get to a city like Chicago and you just go take it all in. And I am right by the Thompson center and there is a man with a sandwich board walking around with a, a uh, I still have the picture somewhere. I'll, uh, I'll share it on, in Hysteria Nation if I can find it. With a, It's like a sign or two signs, one on the front, one on the back, that talks about how the FBI killed his kid with a disease and, you know, murder all doctors and like just, just batshit Looney Tunes crazy stuff. And I've seen versions of that. Uh, whether it's, whether it's a sandwich board mm-hmm. they're wearing, whether it's a piece of cardboard, they, you know, uh, uh, wrote on with a crayon I've seen or them what, just I've like seen... that about COVID it's all fake and it's this and, oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. This and that. Or it's the same kind of ramblings that you'll see on like a beat up, uh, a 1979 O'Connell line van, yeah. you know, <laughs> like when they write all over it. Uh, that, that is what these tiles smack of. And, and I'm, I'm glad you, when you, when you kind of put this together, Brent, I'm glad you referred to these as the other tiles. Because there certainly could be an argument made that the more batshit crazy ones, and I, I know that's all batshit crazy is all relative, but the more batshit crazy ones, not just the 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 Jupiter Toynbee stuff, but the 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 real Looney Tunes kill all journalists, um, and the one you're about to read, maybe they're unrelated, maybe they're copycat, maybe they, they it, it's not the same person. I mean, there's there's an argument to make for that. There's an argument to make that it is all one person, and it's, it's right, crazy. Right. I'm going to read the manifesto one. This is the, the one they call manifesto tile. Here we go. John Knight, owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer, Hellion Jew, who hated this movement's guts for years, takes money from the mafia to make the mafia look good in his newspapers, so he has the mafia in his back pocket. Pronouns, my friend. Pronouns. John Knight sent the mafia to murder me in May 1991. Then there's some unreadable part of it. Then journalists, all of them, gloated to my face about my death and Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. In fact, John Knight went into Hellion binge of joy over Knight Ritter's Great power to destroy. I secured house with blast doors and fled the country in June 1991. NBC attorneys, journalists, and security officials at Rockefeller Center fraudulently, then there's a bunch of unreadable stuff, under the Freedom of Information Act, all, some more stuff's lost, 
orders of NBC executives got the U.S. Federal District Attorney's Office and got the FBI to get Interpol to establish task force that located me in Dover, England. Man, we're putting a lot of money into finding this guy. When, <laughs> when Back Home Inquirer got union goons from their own employees' union to send down a sports journalist who, with baseball bat, bashed in lights and windows of neighborhood cars, as well as men outside my house, they're stationed there still waiting for me. NBC, CBS, Group W Westinghouse, Time, Time Warner, Fox, Universal, all of the cult of the Hellion, each were much worse than Knight Ritter ever was. Mostly Hellion Jews, in parentheses. When KYW and NBC executives told John Knight the whole coven gloated on how their Soviet pals had found a way to turn into A, and the rest is lost. Unpack that, John. <laughs> well, that's easy. Uh, so, um, all of the anti-Semitism aside, <laughs> all of the uh, um, don't you the, love it when the anti-Semitism is one of the the, the easier to understand things? At least they're up front with yeah. that. Ugh, the geez. here's the one thing I don't understand: Why would you put blast doors on your house if you're moving to England? I mean, you know, just in case you kind of want to come back to your stuff, maybe one day once you've created heaven. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> you know, point. I don't want to go to heaven without my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you get blast doors for a home? I'd like to know. That's a that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> the inquiring minds want to know. Sadly, I'm sure there's places that sell them, though. I don't know if sadly is the thing to say, but yeah. I don't know. Is a blast door any different than a fire door? I uh, blast doors, I think, have to. You, don't they? Um, they they seal or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Reinforced with like I don't know rebar. I, <laughs> it no sounds idea. like something that Seabot should be an expert on, but I don't really care for his. <laughs> or opinion. it sounds like something that you should have on your bedroom door yeah, because Seabot yeah. lives with you. That's right. Yeah, it's just he, he's throwing all these people. Yeah, they had these sports journalists come and uh, beat up cars and shit with a baseball bat. Like everyone is out to get this guy. In his mind, NBC, CBS, Interpol, FBI, Time Warner, the Cult of Hellion, which is what he calls these people, goons from the mafia, the unions, the Jews, um, Westinghouse, Fox. You know, it's it's such a, a hodgepodge of everything that's probably around him. It, it, it stinks to me of someone, and I've unfortunately we've seen these people that just become so. Uh, enthralled or not enthralled so stuck on the idea that everyone's out to get them and, well, and this is not this is not an original playbook well, right? no it's like one of those things when like your cable's out and then you know that it's because time warner's out to get you well it, yeah and then of course they tie the anti-semitism to the media because of course the media is owned by only jewish people yeah and yeah, you, like yeah, there there are the, like these i mean th this goes back to bill cooper shit like, uh, yeah, exactly. he might as well, have, he might as well have mentioned the priories of Scion. Like this is, um, this is oh, just, we're just get it's an old playbook. That. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do every time. Uh, yeah, it's no, true. it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And you're right. Like, he's like, see, I told you the government was out to kill me. Well, you know, you murdered somebody and you have, and you're yeah, having yeah, a, Bill, a standoff with yeah, a bunch exactly. of, yeah, like you're right. It's a self serving prophecy which is so much that's what I, that was my point about the 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 other tiles as you as you've coined them 
versus the original. The original tiles are an interesting thought experiment. Um, if you know, in in a kind interpretation, there's certainly nothing overtly um, negative, or certainly nothing overtly batshit Looney Tunes, other than uh, tying to some weird shit. You know, yeah. whether it's uh, Arnold Toynbee or the Toynbee Convector or whatever, and then you know, 2001: Space Odyssey. But 2001: Space Odyssey is a weird movie. You know, like mm-hmm. like those those tiles by themselves are are interesting. They're not offensive. This is offensive. Yeah, this is where it kind of goes off the rails to, you know, from from is it just a weird art installation art piece where you're trying to like make people think to no, you are you're barking up some weird trees there, unfortunate trees or whatever you want to call it. Right. Let's go to break. We come back. Let's try to. Well, we're not going to solve this. We don't know exactly who it is, but the. We'll give you some of the, the, the names among names and who they think it is. That's coming or up. Or do we? Well, there you go. <laughs> it was me after the break <laughs> on Hysteria 51. We need our own art film like this. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, we start in the 80s. We're going back to the 80s, John. The year of our Lord, 1983. So in 1983, there was a movie that we rented as kids. I remember we were at our buddy Matt's house called 1986, and it was like post-apocalyptic, and it was made in like 1984, so it was the far-flung future of 1986. Uh, You know, the world had died because of like most of the world's population had died because of nuclear fallout. And And through the whole movie, they'd be like, well, I haven't had decent food since... 1986 and they'd always say and i don't know why every time i see an 80s number i'm just like 1986 so this is 83 very long little segue there and either a man identifying himself as a social worker named james morosco uh we talked about this a little bit he started contacting talk shows and newspapers with that theory of colonizing jupiter with the dead inhabitants of earth now this smells of, of Scientology babblings and stuff to me. I read about this when those newspaper articles were coming out. I was um, a three-year-old lad, and um, mm-hmm. uh, as I would peruse the Wall Street Journal, I, I, I saw articles about this. I remember it like Stop. it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. But real science-based ramblings, you know, it made sense to you back then. You're like, this is... But then know. I moved on from trash like the Wall Street Journal <laughs> and, you know, onto uh, uh, onto the, the, the real stuff like the... <laughs> No, like the Weekly World News. I like to make up my own captions for their political cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy claimed, and now the guy, you know, he you said really would do that. Well, that that's you, as I'm giving really everyone would. black eyes and eye patches. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, go ahead. So He's this guy, not James Morasco, uh, he claimed to have come across the idea while reading a book by historian. Arnold Toynbee. Hey, hey, hey. So mm. we're, 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 we're connecting some dots there or crossing T's and dotting lowercase J's. 
In a conversation with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Morasco discussed how Toynbee's book contained a theory on bringing dead molecules back to life, and that that this later depicted, as you can, uh, you know, we all know in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Or if you don't, go watch it. It's all about Jupiter. So the caller said he had founded what the Inquirer called a Jupiter colonization organization known as the Minority Association. And I'm lost. People were like, well, we got to find this guy. So they reached out to the only James Morasco, or tried, in that whole area, and he'd passed away in 2003. And his poor wife was like, I don't know what you're talking about. My husband had nothing to do with Jupiter, like... Wasn't interested in Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't him. Like it was just one of those things where they 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 grabbed a name and used it. And unfortunately, this guy's wife is having to field phone calls from people. He had also been in his seventies uh, at the time uh, that the 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 tile started showing up. So it's not likely. Back going to that documentary we talked about, Justin Durr said that he considered the tiles to be the work of a single person or at least in the beginning, a single person, attributing them to this reclusive Philadelphia resident named Severino Verna. He went by Sevi. Uh, and Justin believed Verna used the name James Marasco as an alias, which makes sense. Now, this is interesting. kind of breaks down why. And, and if you remember, I said Justin was the guy who spent his life just – he was a – it's interesting. He was a messenger where he had to go along these streets, you know, dropping off packages, a courier. And he would see these all the time, and they just, like, got in his brain. And he spent his life checking. You're talking about the documentarian. Yeah, the documentarian. So he starts looking at him. He said the streets surrounding Verna's residence were littered with these small, and he calls them prototiles, that he believes were tests. They were just, like, trying to see if he could get stuff to stick, you know, before he actually made his signs and things like that. And then there's this ham radio enthusiast. He reported Verna might have broadcast a message via shortwave radio about his theories for a while. And unfortunately, I guess not a lot of ham operators are like really digging it. So he's like, I'm taking it to the streets. Um, I love <laughs> kooky fucking sleuths like this, not just internet sleuths. I, there's a type, I loved it in 1994 or six, I can't remember what he said. Justin said he took a day off work went to the local library they had the internet there and he goes i typed in toynbee tiles and there were zero hits he goes and like a year later i typed <laughs> it in there was like 10 you know like no one else was even looking at it and a year later at least people were talking about it uh so this is just real detective work oh back in the day when you could search for something on the internet and there were zero hits yeah right right also based on comments from verna's neighbors about him uh, this is interesting. He had a car without a passenger seat, and the floor on the passenger side was cut out. So Justin thought that he probably would pull up somewhere and then do the tiles through the floor, and people wouldn't even know. He's stuffed in traffic. That's why he's got one outside the Holland Tunnel. That's why there's one in Times Square. He's just doing them through the floor of his car. Right, so no one can see it, and they do it during the summer, so they kind of you know melt into the asphalt, mm-hmm. and people drive over them, and but that's also an it, 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 and the reason you don't notice as soon as they drive off is because it's got like this protective black layer, uh, like a- application like a layer, yeah, essentially, and it wears that, off. That, that come that wears off, and then you've just got the the tile that's sunk into the into the asphalt, and that 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 process uh, obfuscates who put it there because it takes time and and, and you, you have no idea exactly and you got to wonder 
probably people didn't even notice it. You're just driving. You're waiting at a light. He's on the side of the road, parked, things like that. You don't even think well, it's about still, it. And it's still black. It's still, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it would take a, a, a day or two to, to even. And that's also why a lot of them are hard to read because that it that's an imperfect science. Yeah. So we talked about what they look like. He does that. And we, we talked about the other aspect that that second set is found nearby. And I thought that was interesting. You said is was this all one person were they done at the same time or, or did they come back and add to it like a second person and that's where all the whole mass conspiracy between the press and you know john knight the u.s government the ussr hellion jews uh, it's all it's all crazy then and it is an interesting thing trying to figure out if they were all done at the same time or not and i also wonder how many of these are lost that just never, you know, someone saw it and the city covered it up. In the original Baltimore uh, interview, an article from oh, 1994, yeah. they talked to the public works department, and I forget how many. There's a lot of them, and they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. We've never seen one. <laughs> you know, that's a uh, hell of a I, thing. It's funny you say that. I was doing, when I was doing uh, my research, I found a news report from Chicago uh, yeah. from 2004, I believe. Okay. Um Somewhere around 2004, 2006, um, uh, a couple Twain B. Tiles had had shown up on Chicago streets, and yeah, this is this is recent. This mm-hmm. isn't 90s. This isn't 80s. Um, and you know, basically, the I mean, it was a man on the street interview. They didn't do any research. They're just like, oh, these have popped up. They've been seen other places. What do you think it means? Right. And you know, and then they, you know, it was a two minute segment. But I, th- I thought it was interesting. It brought it home. It was right here in in. In the lower fourth. One of the things also that's interesting, too, is Chicago's known for pothole art. There's this guy named uh, Jim Batcher. I think that's how you say his name. And he'll fill potholes with, like, the same type of thing, linoleum and, and granite and things like that. And he makes art inside potholes. So a lot of people were like, we found more Toynbee stuff here, and now it's art. And then he's like, no, that's me. A lot of them just say, <laughs> "I did that." A lot of them say, "Like this is a pothole," and like you can go and find him doing them, you know. And they, it's more of a thing like, "Please fill this pothole," you know, kind of thing. And so that's a Chicago thing that had confused some people. Sure. Now, getting back to the tiles themselves, so there, there was one in Santiago, Chile, and it mentioned a street address. Well, there's a fucking clue. It said two six two four South Seventh Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, spoiler. The current occupants bum, of the bum, house, bum. <laughs> they don't know anything about the tiles, and they're annoyed by people who ask, just like I'm sure happens all the time with people that live in a famous address, and people are going to forget them, though. The former resident of this house, guess who it was? Just some recluse named uh, Severino Sevi Verna. So mm. that's another why Toynbee enthusiasts believe he's the man responsible for the originals because of the large number that appeared in the city, the apparent age, that a variety of the, the carving styles, uh, the presence of the tile creator's screed or creed or, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, and the, the Philadelphia address that he just happened to put on there. Now, copycats have came and went, of course. Other things could have been added, but you know, all signs point to him. If he asks a lot of people, there's conjecture on that. There's conjecture on everything, but you know, that could be the case. You know, it's art. It's interesting, and you're talking about that whole copycat thing. Look at the 2020 monoliths. Someone makes something weird or noteworthy, and 
mostly weird as far as a lot of the stuff and boom copycats will pop up all over the world it definitely could be the work of one person and it spreads to others you know that are either in on the joke or just grifting onto the whole sensation and then they might not realize when they're like yeah 2001 jupiter and then he's like yeah and kill the jews and the journalists and they're like i didn't know it meant that (laughs) you know like sometimes you you get in over your head before you even realize that you're drowning yeah, I got the deeper I got into the story, the more or the, I guess the less interested I got in it. Yeah, I was really excited. And then it went and I was like, Ew, this is just gross. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the idea of of real life uh, games, augmented reality games. You know, uh, like uh, we, we started off talking about Cicada 3301. I even think it's cool when it's not some master group that's trying to. uh uh, recruit the best coders in the world or, or, or you know, like some sort of uh, ultimate game where there's a, a treasure or a prize. I always think of like Red or Ready Player One, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where where ultimately whoever whoever cracks it uh, gets to own the oasis. You know, did you hear you? Are you familiar with the Latitude Society? No. So this was a um, a, a a secret society, weird art installation startup i don't i don't even know how to describe it i gotta be honest with you uh i think ultimately it was an art project um but it's it's it it go look into it it's it's really cool it's uh it's really interesting and there's no uh there's no anti-semitism uh <laughs> so uh but like or there's uh i i think might be done by the same people or it's, it's at least in the same style there's this new podcast um called signal s-y-g-n-y-l and oh shit it's like uh, a great it's got an awesome band spelling for their name (laughs) (laughs) they toured with striper um (laughs) sorry but it's really cool there's like uh, if you go to the website there's like worksheets and then you listen there's like multiple meanings to what's happening in the podcast and it's kind of like in there's other things you can go find in real life i don't know like really intriguing cool shit like that even if it just is one person's artwork i think is is just badass and I thought that's the path we were going down with the Toy and B tiles, and and I was I was sorely disappointed. And then it's there is the still the possibility. Of a madman. Yeah, there is still the possibility that the original tiles were something, and that the other tiles and the manifesto were something else. I that's a possibility. It is a possibility, but I don't buy into that. Do you? I mean, you know, mm, I, I guess it doesn't matter one way or another. Because I got to be honest with you, I, I like it, like you said, you just said the most important part. It doesn't matter. But if I had to, I, I literally put it at fifty fifty because as much as I think it, it kind of seems to logical that that it was all one person and they just got progressively uh-huh. wilder. I also think that people love copycatting and people love glomming onto things that have gotten attention to further their own. Uh, agendas. So, hey, this Toynbee tiles thing is getting is getting uh, uh, some play. I'm gonna go add my own tiles. I'm gonna go add onto currently existing tiles and further my agenda. Right. Uh, I, I think that's I like that's not out of the realm of possibilities to me. But I agree with you that it seems just as likely it was all the same person. Yeah, I'm just upset that they said Jupiter instead of Venus because Venusians are much more interesting to me. I'd rather I'd rather spend my afterlife there if given the choice between. I don't know. The gas. We should do another episode on Valiant Thor. What's that? We should do another episode on Valiant Thor. 
I always like talking about Venusians. We should just uh, get someone on here and they can say they're Valiant Thor. Who can prove them wrong? I mean, come on now. It's true. <laughs> I'm Valiant Thor. <laughs> no, you're not. Prove it. <laughs> you prove me wrong. It, it, it blows my mind, though, that crazy-ass ramblings and manifestos like this have been placed in public. This is kind of like what I was saying earlier. And people tend to just walk over them and ignore them. It, it, it's such a huge example thinking of that is like how our culture and how we shuffle on with our lives, not noticing what's right under our noses or, you know, our, our feet in this case, they're fun or they, at least they started out fun. They're creepy. They start out that way, scary. And, and, and then you realize it's probably a cry for help from someone that didn't have anyone to turn to. And for better or worse, I'm enthralled. I really do get enthralled with these things. Um, at least the idea of how they come to be and what's going on. Like you said, though, this one made me feel dirty at the end. Unfortunately, when you really yeah, this one did not have a happy ending. Uh, not in, in no way, shape, or form. No matter who was behind them, uh, not not good stuff. Yeah. But what yeah. what we think is less important. What mo- is more important is what the nation thinks. Hysteria nation. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what I'm talking about, you just go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. It's our Facebook discussion group where Lord Zuckerberg reads all of our posts about what we think about gray aliens. That's right. And uh, yeah, go on there. Let us know what secret societies we need to talk about. What other non-Toy and B-Tile type things like that are we missing? Those are fun. I'd love to have some other ones that we could look into and kind of fall down those holes as well. You can also find this episode and our other stuff on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. You can also tweet to us at hysteria51pod. That's the show. And then I am at the Brent Hand. He is at gofolite1, G-O-F-O-L-I-T-E-1. Of course, there's Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. You can find Up All Nights extra episodes like our mad blurry hysterias that we do every two weeks and lots of radio dramas and nonsense and ramblings speaking of ramblings leave us a voicemail 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 john if they forgot all this what the fuck are they supposed to do uh send up a bat signal no go to hysteria51.com we have everything lives there or gofopedia.com it'll take you to the same place and i do have a request for the nation Mm. if you're a regular listener to this podcast you're familiar with the the shorter episodes that we do called cafeteria 51 and we we always ask you to give us recommendations and those recommendations to date have come in the in the form of two different types the first is, here's the grossest fucking thing I could find on the internet. Maybe he'd be good for Cafeteria 51. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and listen, uh, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for making a good joke or posting a good meme. So God bless you. I'm not going to eat it, though. The the second so the second one, like we got one the other day for canned bread. And I thought it was actually a really good one. Like I, mm-hmm. I like I'd love to try that. I'd love to talk about the experience, et cetera. Someone else had, had suggested the. Uh, we talked about this before the canned uh, the canned hamburger. hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna suggest one of those, please provide a link to where we can p- procure said weird oddity, because I have spent the better part of a couple hours looking for some of these things, and I just can't find them unless I want to buy a box of 150. Yeah, that sucks. A lot of times don't. you go on like Amazon or something. It's like you you got to buy a gross. <laughs> it's like right, right. So if you if you find a suggestion, we'd love a link. 
just telling us where we can buy it. And by golly, there will probably be an episode on it uh, in, in short order. Yeah. Yeah. Or get with us and you can send us one unopened, please. <laughs> preferably, do that too. Preferably unopened. Yeah. And uh, like I said, preferably. Un- <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's negotiable. <laughs> I trust you. The cafeteers are bonus episodes. We do them. We enjoy them. If you don't like them, you don't have to listen. You know, it's just stuff that we like to do. Started out with doing some of the things that we had heard uh, that people were eating on the show, and then it turned into its own thing. So they're fun. We do them every once in a while, and hopefully you guys enjoy them as well. Yeah, kids, that's our thoughts on the Toy and Bee tiles, the mystery, all that jazz, and your homework for the week. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bad. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint. What's your favourite podcast? I'm Hysteria 51. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.